Welcome to So You Want to Be a Leader, Really? A Defy Expectations podcast. I'm Vicky Hampson. And I'm Helen Honeyset. We're here to explore the highs and lows of leadership today with our guests. And help you navigate the complexity of being a leader from every aspect, the sublime right through to the utterly ridiculous and everything in between. Our last guest, Janine Matho, had so much insight to share that we decided to have her back for another episode to dig deeper into her story, her perspective, and the role of mastering self in leadership. Welcome back, Janine. You can find out more information about Janine all in our website. Please do visit www.defyexpectations.co.uk for all of this wonderful information. So again, as you were speaking and in those questions with regards to this interconnectivity of the body, the mind, the emotions, I think one of the things I observe in hearing individuals like yourself and and the way Helen describes it, I think you guys are obviously at that sort of heightened understanding. But for many, it's a source of discomfort. And I think for many, they choose to move past that quite quickly, which could be a reason why the critique comes. I don't know. It's, it, to me, it feels there's a connection between that because some humans in the way that they react to this connection of body, mind, emotions, it's easier to move past it rather than go deep and get into that awkward discomfort. And I think often sometimes that's the reason why people kind of think that the three days bed rest, a few more coffees and some sport might fix it. But just hearing you talk so honestly and evocatively about that and knowing that there is a way to understand why that happens. And really just from this, people listening to encourage to go deeper and really understand that more. I would really encourage people to do that because I think all too often we're so quick to move past it because it doesn't feel comfortable. But on from that, and when we think about this phrase that you use quite often around living on your own terms. It's very descriptive, but what we'd like to hear is a little bit more about your definition of that, what it means to you, what it means in your heart, what it means in your head, and what it means as maybe a day-to-day. And then why is it so important? And why is it so important for others to do that and to learn from how you've done it? And then we'll come to another part of that question, but I'd love to hear your definition, description of that. Yeah. And I think what's going to be interesting is because of what you've just said, I think lots of people think that they are living their life on their terms or building their career on their terms. I know I certainly thought that. I made conscious choices. I took paths. And I can't say that when I look back, oh, it was completely mindless how I went from point A to point B to point C, et cetera, et cetera. So this is going to sound a little strange, I think, probably to some people. but. I think looking back, what I do realize is I didn't always build my life on my terms, right? So there's so many ways in which we accommodate others in our narrative and in our choices and in our lives. And so for me, living on your own terms means living a life and subsequently building a career that is truly about you. And I know this is going to sound really selfish, but stick with me for a minute. It means that you are taking into account your needs and your preferences, which means you've taken time to know what they are. It means you understand your skills and your values. And I know skills change and values grow over time, but it means you're aligning your life, your way of living and and your job even with your identity. And 
all of that is aligned with how you want to live and where you want to live and how, when, and where you want to work. It aligns with legacy and impact that you want to leave in the world. It's basically that the script is yours and you can write it freely. You choose what's in, you choose what's out, and you can change it if it no longer suits. And we teach the first half of how to achieve this in, in my startup, which is Exponential Changemakers. And women in early career are constantly just stunned that as they walk through a framework, they're stunned that their needs and their preferences should have any impact on the job that they choose. And it's like the light bulb goes off of like, oh, and it sounds really obvious, right? It like, sounds really obvious to say you're coming out of university and you're going to choose where you're going, but we're programmed. We get on a little bit of a program, even at that stage of what the professor says or what your parents say or how much money you think you need to earn or what your friends are doing or looking on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever it is pressure and actually to step back and say, what do I actually need? What are my preferences in a whole bunch of different areas? What do I really think about this? And then where is it that I can look in the world for that to fit me? It's a whole different ballgame. It's a whole different way of, of approaching things. And so women in early career are really, really stunned. But I mean, other people that I coach later in life, I mean, they wake up, if you want to say, and realizing that the decisions they made weren't theirs at all. And and then you can begin to, to build and work, build a life and work on your terms, right? It's, not, it's never too late to make the change. It just means it might be a little harder later. Yeah. And, and so maybe another part to that question. So you've shaped out how you see it, a, a definition for it, and especially like the way you say our skills change and our values grow. Maybe you can share your thoughts on an individual, somebody you know, somebody we could relate to perhaps, who does this really well? And what does that look like? Who are they? What's that sort of persona of that individual? Yeah. So the first person that I actually ever met who was living this way, and I, I didn't have the language for it then, but is actually my husband now, my second husband. And it's the first person I ever met who took a little time in their 20s to figure out what they liked and what they were good at and also what they needed. And in his case, he is a professor of photography. And in his case, he found out early he, he loved teaching because he did some teaching to earn some money. And he found out that he loved photography because he was working odd jobs in photography studios and he put those things together but he also is a musician and he loves ha having his time so somehow he figured out in his 20s that to engage in music and to take photographs and to be a thoughtful teacher you need time so he built his life around finding roles that would give him time now he may not have gotten other things from that we can look at that with a critical eye but for him, time was the currency. And I actually think for many of us post-pandemic, we've all kind of gotten to that point where we say, actually, owning our time is really important. I think he's the first person I ever met who had constructed his life in a way that worked for him. Since then, I've met a few other people. I think, because I don't want this to sound out of touch, I've met really wealthy people who are miserable and just because someone appears that they have it all does not mean they are living on their terms. So this isn't about money. 
This isn't about status. So I don't want to point to people who are wealthy, who look like they're living on their terms because they sit in the media. So I, I pick someone who's close to me, which is my husband and the first person I actually ever met who I knew who was doing it that way. And I think for the most part, we don't think we have as many choices as we have. But we do. The way you define that, I've always thought of living on my own terms as living a joyful life, living a life that feels like I have control and choosing it. And it's not always easy. And there are days when the school run turns it into <laughs> not a particular joy. But that concept of on your own terms, you're right. It's not about that external validating. It's not about cash. It's not about status. It's it's about joy. It's about aliveness. It's about freedom. It's about you know, sort of yeah. feelings that you've got a sense of control. Yeah. And it's hard to make choices in favor of that feeling, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It really is because so many other things in our life external to us are telling us, oh, university is expensive. So parents have to get jobs that can help pay for the university or where you live or where your children go to school or the clothes you want to own or the vacations you want to take. or So all of those put pressure on that. But actually, if you just pull it back a little bit, it, it, if you get to what would really make you happy, or what would bring joy as actually being much more in control of your decisions, which sometimes means you will have less of some of those other things, maybe. And I think the words you used around work in progress is so important because it is this constant give and take. <laughs> I say I've done a lot of work on myself and I'm Me too. <laughs> doing so. But <laughs> then stop. It, there's days I look back and go, I've come far. And then there's days I look forward and go, oh, I've got so much further to go. <laughs> because it is that constant battle between being dragged back into what's expected of you, whilst you then also stepping back and going, no, no, this is what I love. And I see that battle, not quite on an hourly basis, but there's certainly days when it feels like it. Now, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there's a lot of people out there, both men and women, who are struggling to find the life that they want to live and maintain the responsibilities that they have through choices which they may not have necessarily have wanted to make. But why do you think this is such an important skill for women to learn, this living on their own terms? Hmm. I did talk a little bit about it, but I do think women are particularly influenced by other people's opinions of them and other people's expectations for them. So I think we're socialized as such in school, if not at home, and it is reinforced in society and at work. I mean, women are often, even in the office, tasked with the office leaving party or the lunch, <laughs> other things that we call non-promotable tasks, right? And I think that other people's opinions, that socialization, it can drown out our own voice and our own opinions are what is right for us. And it can make it hard for us to assess what we really want. I think that's true for all people, but I do think for women, there's an extra edge that it's more difficult to give ourselves permission to go for what we really want. It's like making sure everyone else is okay first. And I feel like that's always the hardest coaching question really, isn't it? Like, what do you really want? And it's also hard for women to look at their talents as something to share and bring to the world and we're brought up not to brag or look for attention, but really the world needs your talents. It needs your contributions. So from another point of view, don't be selfish, get, get it out there. I, I think it's much harder for women. I think we're tied by different binds. But I think importantly that just as 
children's society and our economy benefit from women who are well-educated. I think there are huge benefits to raising women who learn, who can learn how to build a life and a career on their own terms from the beginning, if possible. And if not, when they, when they wake up and they're ready. And again, you mentioned the school ones. I mean, I raised three children, so I'm not sitting in a bubble somewhere. <laughs> like I, had to, I told you my life story, right? So, and, I, and there definitely were times when I was raising three children where I didn't feel like I was living on my terms, right? Because you need to show up where you're supposed to show up and be there for your child. And you are raising, you've got the charge of another person that you're trying to raise an emotionally healthy being. There are pressures and those pressures will never go away, whatever they are. But I think it's about starting to disentangle those a bit and, and so that the self comes forward. There was a phrase you used in that response, Janine, that's really very descriptive. It says what it is. It relates to non-promotable tasks. And I think it's a really valuable phrase and it resonates, but it's one that we can use to help us so much more often. I think it's also one as well that we could have a little bit of ironic fun with because there must be an array of utterly ridiculous non-promotable tasks that if you polled a bunch of females at different stages of their career, the things they've been asked to do that probably wouldn't be asked of male peers. I'm making a sweeping statement on a judgment there. But it could be another thought for that. I mean, maybe one comes to mind, maybe share one as follow-up, but certainly a good few come to mind for me. But it's a really powerful way to describe it. I'm really happy you use that phrase. I just want to say thank you for that. It's a great learning. Sure. I mean, we share that a lot um, with young people also at Exponential Changemakers. I mean, mm. women will get asked to take notes in a meeting. And that's fine if other for example, other junior staff or other staff at your level are also equally going to take tasks like writing notes at meetings. That's fine. But if not, that's actually not fine. Right? Yeah. I think one of the best I had ever was to see if I could maybe source um, a spare set of contact lenses for one of the leaders that was with us on a trip I was on at the time. That was quite a classic. Yeah. I'll, I'll bank <laughs> that one. I got asked to accompany my sales leader boss to Stringfellows with a whole load of clients. This is going back some time because if there was a woman there, everyone was behaving themselves, weren't they? It's like we were still in Stringfellows. Yeah. I mean, oh, I we laugh about it, don't we? But uh, it could be an interesting and, and quite lengthy book, I think, if we were to put pen to paper, literally. Yeah. I think my strangest was getting asked to take, take someone's dog to the vet. Because their wife was unable to. We're all laughing, but it's kind of out of. I mean, it was not my job. Poor dog. That's all I can say. Poor dog. We laugh in jest at the ridiculousness of it, and it. But it's a serious thing. But knowing about it and framing it—that it's a non-promotable task. How do you challenge it? And how do you pay that forward? And it leads me to to one of the next questions, which we often use in our podcasts. And it relates back to our business, to fire expectations. You use that phrase as you were talking through your story. And it relates to a little bit of the kind of the defiance we've learned over the years, because it's really good to seek forgiveness afterwards. So we'd really like to know a little bit more of the Janine Matho and the pearls of defiant wisdom that you might choose to pay forward to others, to aspiring leaders, to young people who are thinking about leading. Okay. We'll see how this goes. I think the first thing 
again, this isn't going to sound so rebellious, but it kind of is. So the first thing is to get to know yourself really well, because the only life partner you're actually going to have is yourself. So hang out with yourself and get to know yourself really well. Like we're, we're always preoccupied with friends and partners and other people in, in life, but that's kind of the issue that's the only person you're really stuck with forever is you. So get to know yourself really well. And I always say this the next one, which is build a life that you don't want to escape. That's really, really important. So a life that suits you just right, no matter what anyone else thinks or says about you, because if you change your mind, you, you can change your life. You can make adjustments, but build a life that you don't want to escape from. And if you then end up wanting to escape from it, you can change it. And I think the third is trust your gut. And forget about other people's opinions. It's not helpful, actually. So trust your gut and your experience on what is best for you. Because in the end, you alone have the power to build a life that's truly yours. I feel as though I want to add another one on your behalf, that unpromotable. Go ahead. Question yourself. Is this an unpromotable task that I've been given? Is it truly acceptable? Because I think sometimes we do still expect youngsters. We all had to make the tea, didn't we? Yeah, so there is that little bit of expectation still, but I think that classifying them, as Vicky said, as unpromotable tasks is really important. So thank you so much for sharing all your insights. It has been, I thought it would be, but I, it's been a fascinating conversation and one that I think could be continued quite easily. If you've been as inspired as we have with our amazing guest, Janine, please check back in as we're going to be running these regularly. And we cover every aspect of skills that leaders need to continuously develop, evolve, and thrive. Do look at our website, defyexpectations.co.uk, and remember to follow us to get notified of our next episode. Mm -hmm.